0: back guys to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre and we are back again to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Today we have the joyful opportunity to welcome back Sam Sefsik, my friend Sam. If you're new to the show, he is a uh, pre-med student, is that right? Or, is uh, it biochem yeah.
1: or? Biology, chemistry, um, post-baccalaureate, non-traditional pre-med, whatever you want to say. It's yeah. it's
0: complicated, but suffice it to say, that's kind of the direction I'm going with my life. He's a smart scientisty y student uh, studying for pre-med, looking to be a doctor maybe someday, if that's God's calling. Um, and those of you guys who have been listening know, of course, that Sam's been gone for a while because of the crazy Yeah, semester. I've kind of
1: been MIA, and I don't know, maybe you're wondering if I got kicked off the podcast after that controversial episode on dating <laughs> that we you did You know what that's um, the
0: last one we did <laughs> that
1: is the last one we did wow yeah. okay i think i still have the instagram link in my bio or something on that one yeah because it's the latest content yeah. we produced. it's, it's some
0: controversial stuff if you didn't listen to it go back and listen to it but so, but many, so many people have asked me so uh where's sam so what happened to sam so is sam coming back <laughs> so yes people he is still alive No, well. we had a
1: huge falling out we don't talk anymore yeah. and um no here i am so he is
0: not banished so you've had a crazy quarter or a semester yeah
1: i remember we were really ambitious at first we're like hey we're gonna record every single week on thursday morning remember that yep that quickly faded. Like, hopes of that vanished Instantly. yeah and uh it was a crazy semester for me um basically i took a bunch of classes at the same time that i shouldn't have taken at the same time Mm. and it kind of shellacked me um i would it it took all of my extra time away and um on top of that just dealing with some chronic health issues that a lot of people don't know i deal with um, yeah it got me thinking a lot about uh you know the christmas season Uh, what it means to walk in Christ in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: I thought it would be a good episode for a podcast. So So that kind of forms the backdrop of all these thoughts that have been brewing as you've been suffering through the quarter, Uh, dealing with your own questions, uh, with your own life, growing up as an adult, um, facing challenges with your health, um, and trying to survive the torture of college. Um, so so this kind of brings us to, right? So you've been ta- thinking a lot about, we've been talking about this as we've met up for coffee last couple of times over the last couple of weeks over winter break uh, about the subject of pain and suffering, right?
1: Right. You know, it kind of, you become, everyone at some point in their life becomes aware of the human condition of yeah. suffering versus happiness and balancing those two things. Um, and, you know, really questioning some of the big qu- things in life. Um, in my case, it was my personal health issues that sort of led me down that road. But also, as I enter the, Christ, uh, the Christmas season, I've always, it seems like every year, at least for the past five years, I've known somebody who's dealt with something very, very heartbreaking and severe, either the loss of a loved one. You know, a, a near fatal car accident. Um, a friend of mine, her father had a stroke over the multiple strokes over the Christmas season, and that's just wow. a, a huge, a life-changing prospect. There, um, some other people lost their older sister from just kind of a freak illness. Uh, otherwise healthy young woman just died. Wow, around Christmas, and man. It just makes you realize that this is a time that's supposed to be filled with joy and and wonder and togetherness and family, and for some people, it's just such a time of brokenness and loss. And right, um, you know, I think really being believers in this complicated world, we have to be in touch with the suffering of other people and bear one another's burdens, as Christ bore our burdens. So.
0: You know, and I think, so you're hitting on something really, some people, so I, you know, I actually scrolled back and I realized that we did not actually, ha- we haven't done an episode on pain and suffering. We did, I did one with uh, my buddy, Alexi Chaika when we were doing, when we were podcasting, he was the first co-host. <clears throat> we did one about God's sovereignty and God's control and providence, but we haven't talked about pain and suffering. So it's such an important part of Christian yeah. theology too. It's it's really incomplete,
1: I think, in evangelical Christianity is because we don't like to talk about suffering. We like to talk about how happy Jesus is going to make you and how easy life will be once you accept Christ
0: and live a Christian life. And that's not really the full picture. And in the Western culture, we're so focused on our comforts. And many of us live lives of relative comfort for a long time. So I think what you said a little bit earlier is this subject comes alive for you at a certain point in life. So for all of us, it's in different points. And if you're listening to this and you're going through some hard stuff, or if you've gone through some hard stuff in the last couple of years, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're listening to this and you're like, Hmm, pain and suffering, you know, I don't really know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm just got to tell you it's coming. Like you're, you're going to, there's things happen. We grow up in life. And for all of us, it's different seasons in life or different challenges. But At a certain point, you wake up to the simple reality that the world is really broken. And there's some really major pain all around us in the world. And uh, there's a lot of things to be afraid of, real things that really hurt. Um, So it's a really... Practical subject, no matter who you are, where you're coming from in life. Yeah. So where does this, like, so how do these questions start rolling out for you as you're kind of thinking about it? Well, I mean, the first question, of course, that anyone is asking, especially people
1: outside the church who haven't really maybe thought about this, is why is there suffering in the world? Right. I mean, how could you believe in a good God that allows suffering? Right. And allows his people to to die and to suffer from disease and loss? Um. And that's a very good question. Yeah. It's a very valid question and one that Christian people should be able to answer. Yeah. Um, And I think it's important to realize, too, that a gospel that calls people to suffering for the sake of Christ is a very unpopular gospel. Yeah. In a world that's full of obsession over our comfort. Yeah. And instant
0: gratification. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, this question is the hardest question that you're ever going to deal with in your faith Mm -hmm. in your spiritual growth in your development and the important thing to note this is that um this is not only a difficult question for christians the problem of pain and suffering is the most difficult question that every single human being any religion any worldview, will ever have to deal with right so oftentimes as christians right out of the gate we feel all the all defensive like oh shoot we have to somehow explain god as a good and powerful god and why it makes sense that we believe in him despite the reality of pain and suffering no, no no the ball's not in our court it's in everyone's court everyone has to make sense of it right the atheist has to make sense of evil and suffering in the absence of a god which is even a bigger problem because technically there's no such thing as evil right uh, and there's no such thing as hope either Exactly. So, every every world, like you know, in our in our conversations with people in the world around us, this question, you know, it does, if someone's getting you know offensive at Christianity in this question, this question is the most difficult one, and in in my perspective, one of the testers of truth to the Christian worldview, and it's one of the best questions you can ask to any worldview, and it is one of the questions that cracks open the bankruptcy. Of false perspectives
1: right um, I mean if you look at kind of the gospel that pervades itself in our culture it's really one of it's the prosperity gospel right yeah. it's go to church on Sunday accept Jesus um, and he'll make you wealthy healthy happy um, prosperous and that that will be your life you know right God doesn't want his people to suffer he wants us to be successful and happy and yeah. That is true, but maybe not the way that we define that in Western culture. Yeah, right. Being successful and being happy and being healthy—those um, are not necessarily the same thing for everybody.
0: Yeah, and in in our Western culture, it's generally mean what we Lots mean by that money. is and th- the absence of really suffering.
1: It. The absence, yeah. Right. Having a warm home, not just a warm yeah. home, but a big home, biggest home on the block, right? Living the American dream. Having plenty of material resources at your disposal, um, never being ill, never having to lose somebody important in your life. Yeah. That right there is a lack of suffering. Yeah. At least from the Western perspective. And I mean, the truth is that we're told to take joy in our sufferings, mm-hmm. right? If you look at Romans um, chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, um, Paul says, not, on, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm-hmm. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty clear that suffering actually plays a role in sanctification, in making right. us more like Christ. Right. And while suffering in and of itself is evil— it's a result of our choice to sin and the fall. God uses it to sanctify us and to make us better.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important how you point out that um, a lot of just general Christianity around us in the culture, cultural Christianity, is is very kind of what what one sociologist called. Uh, moralistic therapeutic deism three words moralistic therapeutic deism and basically what that means is uh, our belief in God is moralistic meaning it's about good behavior right therapeutic means it's about making you feel feel good good. deism means that God is generally like kind of up there far away he's not here right now actively working like um, the 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 kind of view of God in in popular Christianity.
2: Is it, and, this not is, a, yeah. and this is um. not
0: even necessarily like Joel Osteen's straight-up prosperity gospel. This is like, I think this is like just um, mainline evangelical Christianity. Yeah, I think a lot of America. us subscribe
1: to this idea without even realizing it sometimes. Right. Like God's not somebody you have a personal relationship with. It's about sort of just doing the right things and pleasing the man in the yeah. sky.
0: Yeah, and if you do the right things and, and follow Jesus and read your Bible and live a spiritual life, your life will be pretty good. You'll have, you'll have a good marriage, a good job, and, um, you know, a happy family. And in, in general, a lot of, if you look at deconversion stories, you know, people who go through faith crisis, a lot of times it, it happens because of something difficult happens in their life and their faith doesn't seem to make sense of that difficulty and they drop out of Christianity, you know. Hmm. So uh, in many ways, it's this false assumption that, you um, Life is expected to be to be uh, comfortable. Now, what I want, other thing I wanted to add on that is like this is a cultural assumption around us today in the West. Like we we have a lot of things. We have more stuff than ever. We have everything is cheaper than before yeah. in previous generations. More medicine, more food, more shelter. Like a middle class person today has a better life expectancy than
1: you know the wealthiest man in history, King Solomon. Yeah, you know, with all the riches in the world and our quality of life right. is just it's so different
0: yeah and the secular narrative today in the culture is you know be happy be healthy be a good person right like that's a general like instagram uh spirituality yeah, good vibes only right good vibes be happy go get it you know it's the new it's the beginning of the year set your goals crush it you know slay you know, like just really superficial, successful, stuff. superficial expectation on life. And basically what this expectation is, it's naive. So reality is bloody. Yeah. Reality is painful. Uh, reality is difficult. And any worldview that has to live in this world in, in a rich and beautiful way.
1: Can't ignore the reality of suffering, yeah. of heartbreak and of pain yeah. and loss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if Christians never suffer we can't relate to a hurting and broken world, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of Christianity would be this this faith where everyone else suffers, but once you become a Christian, you just live this wonderful ivory tower, pie-in-the-sky life right? where everyone, you know, the the peasants down there suffer, but you get to be happy. right? That's not at all what Christ called us to.
0: Right, right. It's an integral part of our our faith. Christianity does not avoid the problem of suffering. So before we dive into that, just to look around at the other religions and perspectives, you know, secularism is naive in in its view of suffering. Um, just a secular view of life, a godless view of life. Basically, I want to be a good person. You know, I, I want to live in peace with the universe and do good to all humanity. You know, uh, imagine all the people living as one brotherhood of man, you know, like John Lennon yeah. sang. Uh, this... this it, this vision is naive yeah. it's naive about reality reality and it can't define what good is either right. i mean that's the problem exactly it, it it melts the definition melts in your hands and it's then some you sort of evolutionary
1: utility but right no real moral foundation for it
0: right and then you look at like um you know eastern religions um like Buddhism and things like that, and what what you see there is that basically their view, their treatment of pain and suffering, is that it's an illusion, and ultimately, yeah, right. ultimately their view is like you know it's kind of like the Star Wars Force. There's there's a darkness and a light in the universe, and they kind of live in balance. Yeah, and they're not necessarily evil or good either one, but too much of either one can be dangerous. And there's just this this symbiotic yeah, force, yeah, the yin the and yang, universe. yeah, the yin and yang literally that that is it doesn't take into full measure the terribleness of suffering and it doesn't have any explanatory power over it essentially it's trying to um you know downplay its reality so in a nutshell though like as christians um how can we answer this question you know if you're sitting on a bus stop at the college why does a good god allow pain and suffering in the world well part of it is what we already talked about which is he uses it
1: to shape us into people who are more like Christ.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that God created suffering, but we made the conscious choice to allow suffering, to bring it into the world through our sin. Right. right At the fall, at right. the beginning of creation, when we made the choice to rebel against God and against his, his purpose. And because God made us with free will, mm-hmm. right, we had the choice to do that and to effectively damn ourselves eternally And to redeem us, right, he sent his son Christ to die, Uh um, who was fully God and fully man, right. And that's important because since he was fully man, he experienced human suffering the way that people do.
0: Uh Uh
1: And as God, he experienced he he took on the suffering of all mankind, right, upon himself as the perfect sacrifice. I mean, Jesus wept in the garden, right. That tells us that he experienced human emotions the way that we do. Right.
0: So, and that kind of actually leads back to a question that we, were, we had a discussion in our group a couple months back ago. And that is, you know, it, the, the bigger question in Christianity is, from a Christian perspective, is not why would God allow a world where evil and suffering exists? Why would a good and powerful God allow these things? The bigger question from a Christian perspective is, why would a good and powerful God allow a world in which he himself would suffer? That is mysterious. In the end, and so here's another little kind of side note. No matter what worldview you analyze this question uh from, every single one of them will have an element of mystery. No right. one has a perfect answer. No one has a perfect answer. We can't we don't have the mind
1: of God. Even though right. we're created in his image, we don't have the ability to fully understand these these
0: things. Right. And yet within the Christian story, the answer is By far the most powerful and compelling, like you were saying, the original design. So, originally, suffering is not part of this world. God created the world to be beautiful and full of life, and death and suffering is not part of the equation. Um, We can have differences on how free will works or whatever, but the basic idea, the basic reality is God permitted evil, but he did not create it or initiate it. God permitted evil to enter into the world through our sin, right? Right. And the, the essential truth of Christianity is that God does not erase evil because if he erases evil, he erases all of us because right. evil is intermixed in all of us. He redeems it. He doesn't erase it. Right. Or, or another word to use, redeem is perfect. Another word that I like to use is he defeats it. So he does even more powerful than mm-hmm. to... He doesn't just come in and crush evil. God defeats it. God jumps into the arena and defeats evil. He, or, or like Paul says, death, where is your sting? You know, in, in Christ, Christ has... The, the very essence of all evil and suffering in this world is death. It's, it's the worst form of evil and suffering. And Jesus comes into the world... And he blows a hole through the end of death. He enters death and he comes out the other side, punches a hole out the other side, you know? So if you think about, uh, you know, in terms of a a narrative structure, the most powerful, the most powerful vindication is not just to erase an enemy and cause him to not exist. It is to make a trophy out of him. Hmm. It is to, it is to, pull all the power out of the enemy and that's literally what jesus does he comes into the world and he says give it give me all of it you know wow he takes all of our pain upon himself our all of our suffering the worst of all of suffering god the father pours his wrath upon the son right and then three days later he rises you know so again this still leaves you hanging But why did God allow evil to exist? Couldn't he have accomplished the story without it? That's a question we cannot answer, you know. But, you know, there's many different ways that, like, Joe Rigney adds to this. He says, God permits evil because evil creates the essential plot tension. Without the plot tension, there is no story. And God is writing a story of love and redemption. And... God permitted evil to create the tension that he himself comes to resolve, you know?
1: Yeah, right. That's the meta-narrative of God's work in the universe
0: right. is fall, suffering, redemption, and grace. Right. So that, that of course, that still leaves you hanging, but why did he do it, you know? So the, the, the ending of Job, what does Job come to? Job, when he's suffering and he's asking God why, the essential answer that Job finds and that, Job is very satisfied with is I have I have heard about you, Lord, but now I see you, and um my my mouth is silent. So but that doesn't mean that God just came up and said, Job, shut up. What happened was God showed up and God showed his majesty to Job. And Job essentially says, I see you in all your glory and wisdom, and I even though I don't have the answer why this happened, I don't really need it anymore because I trust you. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So so the mystery of the gospel throws you in trust to God, on God. Trust and faith is what resolves the tension. The essential question is, is God worthy of your trust even though you don't know why he let it happen? Are, do you trust him enough to let him take care of it, and let you see it at the very end. Every other system tries to resolve this question with you. I will make things right. I will Uh, make my life... I'll be good enough. I will make my life worth it. I will redeem this. I will show how strongly I can rise above the difficulty.
1: So then practically speaking, what does this mean? I mean, we've talked about the theology of suffering now, but... We know we live in a world of suffering, a world of pain, a world of hurt, and how do we deal with that? Like, what are some of the consequences, um, and and
0: how do we overcome that as believers? Yeah, it's interesting, like, we're both in healthcare, uh, and we've both seen, you know, healthcare is like the front lines of human suffering, Um, and you see people in their worst moments, and... You would think that everyone who works in healthcare is, like, this compassionate, like, angels. But a lot of people in healthcare are actually the opposite. They're very jaded yeah. and very callous. And, you know, in in a sense, you don't want your ER doctor to be, like, feeling sorry for you. You want them to be focused on healing you, like, right. saving you. If they so, felt
1: really sorry for every one of the 30 patients they saw in a they shift... They can't do work, yeah. They wouldn't be able to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, but it also... It also shows that as humans, we personally have a very hard time uh, facing suffering in our own lives or in the world around us and facing it and and processing it correctly. Like we either become overcome, you know, like and depressed and just overwhelmed and anxious and just so overwhelmed about how terrible and difficult life can be we become jaded and callous we sort of develop disconnected a a
1: thick shell and just walk right through it without regard to people's suffering right you know i I saw that when i worked in the er and it was um you know that uh, there were a lot of situations where you had people who well okay you had two kind of different camps of patients you had some that really were medically sick yeah that truly were dealt a bad hand in life and then you had some that, you know, maybe some days they were sick, other days they were not. But often they had mental health issues, they were homeless or, um, you know, drug addicted, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it was interesting to watch doctors deal with those situations. Um, it, was, it was almost like they didn't know how to have compassion on those types yeah. of people.
0: It's like robotic, like mechanical. I'm here to administer medicinal. Yeah, I follow the
1: I follow the medical algorithms. I check for this, I check for that. If the test is positive for this, I give this. If it's negative, I discharge them. Yeah. Tell them to follow, you know. And um I, I feel like doctors often, even though they've spent an entire lifetime in looking at suffering, they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Very often. And I think frequently that's just from a lack of perspective on why suffering exists. Yeah, exactly. Whether we realize it or not, every single one of us has a theology. Yeah. It may not be a Christian theology, but we have a theology of suffering. Yeah. And it may be
0: right or it may be wrong. Yeah. And, and most people I think probably live by default in one of two extremes, right? We basically pretend like evil is non-existent. Like here's our great uh, conundrum. We can kind of untangle this thing as we go along. How do we live in a world that is both beautiful and broken? Um, we, if you if you look at situations in your life where you have had, maybe you're having a very good day, or a really good season in your life, and or a good week, whatever, right? You're really happy, jolly, things are going well, good vibes only, right? And then you you run into something difficult maybe it's a person from your past or a situation or a problem um, that makes you very uncomfortable and our instinct, our gut instinct is usually to steer away and to change the subject or to avoid. When we're enjoying the good things of life, we tend to do it at the expense of being able to see brokenness around us. Mm. That's why people who have such uh, cushiony lives, lives and who have lots of money, they have a very hard time feeling real compassion for people who suffer because they just, it, it doesn't square with their experience. And, right. And it's, it's Maybe disconcerting. Maybe it makes you feel somewhat guilty too. Yeah, it makes it's disconcerting. It makes you feel guilty to be able to enjoy all the blessings of your life and yet know that there is suffering and pain all around you in the world, right? So yeah. you got to do, or the other way, if your life is difficult and people whose lives are difficult, they tend to just kind of have a view of reality that's very bleak and very dreary and just like, you know, real life life is terrible and painful and that's no, all you can do. it's just expect. how it is and it's, it's how, how it will how, always Yeah, be. yeah. And it's almost like easier to just
1: say the world is yeah, broken. Yeah, just to kind of resign yourself to to not doing anything to, to change the situation. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that that's something that has to be perfected over an entire lifetime is learning to live in a world that has both joy and suffering and relating to both those things at the same time. Right. Because we experience both at the same time. It's very rare that you just have a season of life where everything is happy or everything's terrible. Right. It's a daily mix of both things. Right. And, um, you know, that, that starts with having a proper perspective on suffering, a right. proper theology, as we've talked about, and understanding that meta narrative of God's work in the universe
0: mm-hmm. and and your place in it. Yes. So, so you look right. at not
1: just a deistic view of yeah. it, but how we as individuals relate, and how we have a role as believers um, in helping to alleviate the world's suffering and to bear the
0: burdens of other people. Right. I remember like a season in my work in the hospital where I had to mentally, emotionally work through the reality of seeing people die, and to not just compartmentalize it off to the side to my uh, emergency uh, adventures. You know, like there's this like adrenaline junkie vibe in like the ER Mm -hmm. and the ICU where you're so excited about emergency stuff. And then like you walk away and you're like, that person just died.
1: Yeah. I remember the first time that I was um, with a doctor as we went and broke the news to an elderly woman that her husband had died, you know, after – after cardiac arrest and just watching the grief take over her face as she just couldn't believe what she was about to hear, what she was hearing. Um, it affects you. It really does. Um, and it's not always immediate. It's something that might actually sink in over years of realizing, Whoa, that was a deep, heavy experience. Yeah. And,
0: and I was like forced to prop like I was, you know like these situations would haunt me and like i'm like dang like how do i process it as a christian i had to work through that and be like you know i like literally like uh be, almost like being my own therapist in a sense like thinking through that situation was very sad uh that mm. person was in an emergency and that was terrible to see them suffering it's it sucks that we had to try to save them and we couldn't save them you know, there was a lot of good people working very hard to try to save this person. But at the end of the day, death is real and we have no power over death. Only Jesus does. And one day, as I look at, you know, those situations that I face, I can tell myself also one day Jesus will defeat that. So that's my hope. And I don't minimize the reality of this sadness, like almost let that let let the sadness let, be sad. Let yeah. let the affect you. Look at the darkness rather than avoid it and, yeah. and, and speak gospel truth through it.
1: Yeah. You know? You know, part of the Christian experience is learning how to mourn properly right. in the context of seeing Christ as our redeemer. Right? Right. Because right. if you don't know how to mourn, you can't properly deal with suffering. Right.
0: But mourning is, is temporary.
1: Yeah. Right? Christ's grace is eternal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what that does is it gives us the ability to live our lives and to enjoy God's gifts as they come and to say, this is wonderful. This is God's gift. Every moment that is good and joyful, you know, with our friends, family, good food, uh, worshiping with the community of, you know, believers, whatever it is, these are good things. And and yet when difficult things strike, you're able to, within that same narrative, within that same worldview, you're able to look at this stuff and say, Yep, and even though the world is beautiful, it's still broken. Mm. And we're here to fight. We're here to uh, endure. We're here to demonstrate our faith in the midst of trials. You know, you read Romans 5 that shows that the trial comes crashing down on top of you. Yeah. And that is an opportunity for your faith to shine. So right. your external circumstances press down on you. They, they, they wage war against your faith. They make you want to doubt. But, you, but the fact of the gospel, the logic of the gospel, the historical reality of Jesus is still there that props up your faith. And your internal witness and experience of the gospel makes you stand and, and, and face that. And in that, the faith shines. First Peter chapter 1 says the same thing. He says, You know, th- your faith, it shines like gold brought through a fire mm. so you're able to face dark moments as they come and beautiful gift moments as they come and and you're able to enjoy both in the same existence in the same worldview in the same
1: yeah and what we were talking about at woods coffee the other day was i think we called it throwing a feast in the shadow of death yeah right even though things are bleak things are our suffering will always be a part of human experience until Christ returns. Yeah. Um, We can take joy in knowing that Christ sanctifies us. Yeah. And he's here to heal and redeem and he is coming back to
0: make all things good. Right. And you know, one last ingredient that I think that this brings in, that's really been essential to me is like, like you said it, I, the, the great challenge is to throw a feast in the shadow of death. That we still live in a broken world and yet we know the victory of Christ is complete and its effects have inaugurated. They've begun, but they haven't fully completed. So we have reason to feast and rejoice today as his blessings come. But we do that knowing that death is real still. We do that knowing that pain is real. And so so can you celebrate knowing that darkness exists and that you you're you're there's things that you're really afraid of in life. But is Jesus real enough that you can say, Yep, there it is, the darkness, there are those clouds, that there they are, and we are still here gonna raise our glass and feast and celebrate the reality of Jesus because he has worked victory. Yeah.
1: Albert Camus, the existentialist philosopher, um, I don't think Camus was a Christian. No, no, (laughs) Um, he was very much not. If you read um, his works, but he said the true act of defiance is living as if there's meaning in the midst of chaos. Right. Because his idea was that the entire world is is chaos and there really is no meaning. And if you're you're defiant, if you try to find meaning and live that way, but in the Christian call, the ultimate act of defiance is living. In Christ's redemption, in a world that is full of chaos and evil, right. and knowing that it will not always be that way,
0: right? Standing firm in conviction of the reality and trust in Christ, despite the chaos, evil, darkness, and doubt that surrounds us, right? That's your ultimate act of defiance. Yeah. So, but you know what that requires is courage. You know, so um, that—that's the. I think the final element of, of walking in a world of pain and suffering and living it out experiencing it is just understanding that this world is messed up yes and so I need to have courage and, but, but that courage is rooted in Jesus it's rooted in the fact that he is the ultimate uh, you know, worker of victory he's the ultimate fighter and we are called to follow him which means this life is war you, you expect to fight Mm-hmm. You expect to fight against darkness. You expect to fight against doubt. You expect to fight against illness. You expect to fight against conflict relationally. You expect to fight against emotional and mental struggles you may have. You you, you come with a song on your heart because Jesus is king, and a sword in your hand because darkness is still real. You know, th- that is ultimate realistic embrace of of reality you can only do this in the gospel no other religion no other system enables you to do that
1: yeah so that leads to the other thing which is christian community i think that's so key in working through suffering is having other people to surround you with who also have a proper view on suffering and And balance your perspective um i was reminded of this just recently i mean you and i both were just because we live in a Part of the country that's very deeply affected by the problem of homelessness. Yeah, and um, I mean fundamentally, homelessness is—it's a problem of broken relationships. Yeah, it's not fundamentally an economic problem or a drug problem or an addiction problem. It's—it's it's usually broken relationships between people. They're alone. They've—they've they've severed their connections to the people in their lives, and then they're left shattered. Um, often, mental illness takes over, and then you end up with those other other issues that we see on the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. Um, I mean, you and I, we were meeting um, for coffee the other morning and with some of the guys and it was still kind of dark outside. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting in this kind of cafe area next to the grocery store and looked outside and I just kind of stopped mid-sentence and I looked over. I'm like, hey, has that guy been there for the whole time we've been here? And there's this, this man outside sprawled face down on the ground with a jacket next to him some keys um you know a boot was off and i'm thinking this this doesn't look good like is he he might be blackout drunk but it could be worse yeah and um so we went out and um there was no no pulse or anything and he was cold and we told the store manager he called the police of course and they came and dealt with the situation, but this, this poor man was dead, you know, and he froze outside. He froze outside hypothermia all by himself during the holiday season, right before the new year, right. All alone. And I mean, it's those things that just make you realize that it's so important to have people who care about you.
0: Yeah. Well, and that in this whole subject of suffering, one of the most essential things that is so true to humanity that it's like a universal human language is that we are called to, to bear one another's burdens. We are called as human beings to alleviate suffering because that is what God has done. And that is what we have now in Christ. And as the Christian community, that is what we do, you know? So to be, to be Christians is to be living in community and to be bearing one another's burdens as As Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter six, I believe, where that that's what we do, you know. And so that's one of the ways that God is undoing the evil and suffering of this world is through the life of the saints, through the the family of faith. Um, And that's what we are called to do. That's how you grow, and one person at a time. It's it's little by little, you know. Yeah. We do it in faith. But it's interesting to contrast this very sad situation that we we encountered with at, at, at the grocery store. You know, you go to the grocery store, you don't expect finding a, yeah. a, a dead body of a person. And, and even then, this
1: is still different from what we experience in healthcare, where we watch people die, you know, in a hospital bed. Right. Because a lot of times they're surrounded by people who love them. Yeah. Right. Family, friends, sons, yeah. daughters. Um, and that, while sad in its own right, at least has a place, you know, in the natural course of life. But right. to see somebody dead on a sidewalk, frozen to death, is just no I mean, identification. It's heartbreaking. Yeah,
0: yeah, no identification. It's just, um, but yeah, it, and, and that contrasts thing. with the story from our Christmas service where um, there's this guy who came to our church service on, on Christmas and who was sharing. Yeah. Oh no, this was New Year's, I believe. Last Sunday, were you there? Yeah, it was uh, sometime. Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah, and we were. This man gave a little testimony. Basically, this guy just got out of jail, he or prison. He had nowhere to go. Uh, he got let out on Christmas Day, and uh, our pastor went and picked him up. It drove two and a half, three hours to pick him up because our pastor does a a. Um, a prison or jail prison Bible study. St- yeah, yeah, Bible study. And he got to know him through that ministry. And this man literally was being let out. He had no money, nowhere to go, nobody in his life to turn to. He was just coming out onto the streets December 25th. And so, so beautiful to see how the gospel propels us into action and to see uh, the church, you know, and specifically our pastor, you know, such an amazing man, if you know him, come and to bring him home uh to bring him into our church and to surround him with resources care both financial emotional spiritual you know it's all it's all one package so we suffer we alleviate suffering through the love of christ working in us in community Uh, as we're closing up i wanted to read some lyrics from josh garrell's uh on the song called rise and i just i love how he captures the dynamic of this kind of faith and courage um he says, I hung my head for the last time in surrender and despair. Before I'm dead, I'll take the last climb up the mountain, face my fears. The time has come to make a choice. Use my voice for the love of every man. My mind's made up, never again, never again will I turn round. Though they may surround me like lions and crush me on all sides, I may fall, but I will rise. Not by my might or by my power or by the strength of swords. Only through your love, my Lord, all that's lost will be restored. Take courage, sons, for we must go under the heart of darkness and set them free. But don't lose heart when you see the numbers. There's no measure for the faith we bring, and it's given to us to overcome. If we run where the Spirit calls us on, the greatest things have yet to come. With the dawn, we will rise. So I, I I love how Josh Geralt captures that, the courage, the mm-hmm. faith, the joy, and the love. Any other closing thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, this semester should be a little bit more uh, reasonable in terms of the workload. So I'm looking forward to having a little more time for, for these types of things. So. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anyway. Well, thank you guys Happy so new much. Happy New Year, everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying it and uh, taking full advantage of the new year. Um, uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think and how these things have been helpful to you. Feel free to share them with a friend and uh, contact us with questions or thoughts. Uh, We're over on Instagram and Facebook and check out well-said.org. And if you are so inclined, check out the support tab there. You can pitch in a couple of bucks and help us cover the, the bills on this thing and keep this thing afloat. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon.
2: I hung my head for the last time In surrender and despair my face The time has come to make a choice